friends. You're listening to Crickets to Cha-Chings, a show where we talk about all aspects of running a handmade business and marketing that business for success while still keeping a balance to have flexibility for your family. I'm your host, Lauren Keplinger, and I am so excited to get started. Let's jump right in. Hey, hey, and welcome back to another episode of Crickets to Cha-Chings. My name is Lauren, and I am so glad to have you here where we can talk all about our Etsy ventures and what we've got going on on Etsy and how to move forward with our shops. If you are enjoying this podcast and learning a lot, or you've been a member of the Creative Mom Boss community on Facebook for a while, I would so much appreciate you sharing this with your other Etsy entrepreneur friends. That's how we get new people in the community. That's how we spread the learning and the community and link arms together so that we can all be successful on this Etsy platform. So today we have a really exciting episode and I love to do these, so I'm excited to get started. This episode is called Lessons After 12,000 Sales on Etsy. Last time I did one of these was a blog post and it was 10 things that I'd learned after 10,000 sales. And I loved doing it as a way of reflecting back on my time on Etsy and kind of just thinking about how I started and how far I've come with it and also the opportunity that exists that I didn't even know really existed at that time. It has been such a crazy and wild ride. And while I wouldn't say that I've loved every single minute of it, I would definitely say that I have loved most of them. About a month ago, I hit 12,000 sales on Etsy. 12,000 items that have been sent out from my shop and 12,000 customers who have been impacted by my tiny little slice of the internet. That is 12,000 packages that have all mostly arrived undamaged, which is kind of amazing, honestly, in and of itself. Shout out to the United States Postal Service for being mostly wonderful to work with. It's gotten me thinking about those 12,000 orders and where I started way back almost seven years ago in September of 2012. I can honestly say that I never dreamed I would get here and that I would be sitting here in my closet talking to you guys on a podcast and telling you about my Etsy shop and where I started so long ago. It seems at the same time like yesterday and like a million years ago. I don't know if I ever even really thought that I could make it big and have one of those shops with five-figure sales, or if I thought that I would lose focus and be on to the next thing before I got there. I've been a bit of a serial entrepreneur in the past, and sticking with things through the tough times or when I got really busy in my life or when my business got really busy, it wasn't necessarily my strong suit in my early adulthood. But here we are, and I'm excited to share these top tips that I wish that I had known when I started my Etsy shop and what I've learned after these 12,000 crazy sales on the Etsy platform. So my number one is don't try to expand too quickly. I had a dream of having a lifestyle brand back in 2012, not just being an Etsy shop, which I talk about breaking out of that mold often, but having an actual brand that would be curated and recognizable, that people would come looking to my brand for a baby gift before they even really knew what they were looking for or what they wanted to buy for the gift. 
They just knew they wanted something from Funky Monkey Children because my brand was that recognizable and had that many options that they could pretty much find something that they liked no matter what they were looking for. Because of my grand visions for how far and wide I wanted to grow this whole venture, I tried to be everywhere and dabble in a million different things. At one point in my Etsy shop, I had burp claws, I had bibs, I had several different kind of minky blankets and plush blankets and baby quilts. I had shirts in several different colors and a billion different sizes. I had baby gowns in different colors, coming home outfits, baby hats, beach towels, stadium purses, and more. It was honestly almost a full-time job just trying to keep track of the inventory, and I was almost never in stock of everything at one time. I felt like I was constantly having to keep up with my Etsy convos and convoing people, asking them if they would be okay with a different color or a different size or a totally different item because I was out of stock and the item had sold out or my supplier had it back ordered and I wasn't able to get any. The stress of trying to keep everything in stock, nevertheless organized in any sort of like rational manner, was so much for me. I eventually cut way back on what I'm offering, and I mean way back, and eliminated some of my best-selling items in an effort to simplify. Not only did it make my inventory management exponentially easier, but my orders are able to ship out faster, I'm not getting delayed as often because of low stock, I have less money tied up in inventory, which is huge, and I'm able to batch things quicker to get more done in less time. It has been a win all around, and I wish I had done it sooner and been more focused on a smaller niche market rather than trying to build this whole lifestyle brand that was going to encompass anything that anybody wanted for a baby or for themselves that was monogrammed from my basement as a solopreneur. The second big takeaway that I wish I would have learned sooner is that I don't have to be married to my computer to be successful. I've talked a little bit about this one before. And this isn't so much a recent lesson as it is a recent implementation of the lesson. Sometimes it takes me a little bit of time to take it to heart and really to change the way that I'm doing things so that I can change my work life and my home life balance with work in the way that I I see it able to be done, but I'm just not able to implement it or I don't choose to implement it, I guess, is the better way of saying that. When I started my Etsy shop, I was married to my computer. I answered convos and questions at all hours of the day. Dinging me in the middle of the night, I'm on it. Convoing me when I'm out to dinner with my family, hang on just a second, I've got it. I can remember pushing my baby in the stroller around the mall and trying to type answers to Etsy questions on my phone while I walked and talked to my husband and interacted with my baby. Over the years, I've learned that I don't want to do that. I don't want to be working all the time. And to me, flexibility doesn't mean that I'm able to answer convos from the mall with my baby. It means that I'm able to step back and actually spend that time with my husband and my children and not have to be working all the time. And even better than that, I've learned that I don't need to be doing this and I don't want to. I've realized within the past year or so that I really want to take a break from the computer and not feel like I'm so accessible and so deep in the online space all the time. I want to be able to disconnect. But it has only been within the past few months that I've really internalized this idea. And guess what? 
My business hasn't suffered in the slightest. Even though Etsy tells me on my dashboard that shops with a two-hour response time to combos have a better conversion rate, uh, thanks for letting me know that, Etsy, answering combos once a day, or heck, even not answering them for multiple days on end, hasn't hurt my shop. Now, I'm not telling you that you should just throw customer service to the wind and ignore people's combos or questions, but there's a happy medium between that and what I was doing. Several months ago, I deleted the sell on Etsy app for my phone, and the freedom of just not having that constant dinging to respond to has been amazing. It's just like a text message. Even if you put your phone down and you want to take a break from your phone or to disconnect for a little while to be present in your real life, if you hear that little tweet or whatever sound you have programmed on your phone, it's really hard to turn away from it and consciously ignore it when you know that it's there. The sell on Etsy app with the cha-ching or the message uh, notification is the same thing. It's really hard to ignore looking at it, even if you are trying to take a step away. Now I make time to answer messages or emails in the morning when I'm starting to work and in the evening after my kids go to bed. I batch them all together, I answer them all at the same time, and then I'm done. If anything is more urgent than that, then I'm probably not the right shop for that customer, and I'm okay with that. I don't necessarily want to attract those customers that demand a response within a few hours. Those people often are very time-consuming and very high-maintenance, and maybe I'm not the right person to serve them. The third lesson that I wish that I would have learned and taken to heart earlier is to use the internet to make your life easier. This should be a no-brainer, right? I mean, we're selling on the internet after all, so obviously we're all a fan of e-commerce and the convenience that buying things from your couch has to offer. But when I first got started selling on Etsy, I really resisted, for some unknown reason, buying supplies online. In my head, it made more sense to schlep my kids across town, which was almost 45 minutes in the town that I lived in at the time, to the nearest outlet mall to go grab supplies to make a baby bodysuit or a burp cloth. These were things that were selling for less than $20, and I was taking hours out of my day to bring my babies, which were very young at the time, to the mall so that I could buy these supplies. I wish that I could smack my 2012 self (laughs) because there's no way that this made sense. I was spending so much time running all over town buying fabric and thread and burp cloths and whatever else I happened to run low on right at that moment. There was no regular supplier, just whatever happened to be in stock at the time that I went to the store, and I had no consistent ordering, which not only wasn't very time effective or efficient, but it also didn't allow for any consistency in my business. Whatever I was buying, bibs or burp cloths, just was whatever they happened to have in stock at the store. Everything was totally haphazard and random, and man, oh man, how much time I wasted. I can't even wrap my head around how and why I thought that this was a better alternative than paying a few dollars for shipping, but for some reason I did, and that is definitely something that I wish that I would have done differently. Which leads me to my number four lesson of things I would have done differently if I were starting right now and lessons that I've learned after 12,000 sales on Etsy, valuing my time. I honestly think it was because at the time that I started my shop, I was really bored, honestly. I had one baby, he was about a year old, and I was a stay-at-home mom, and my husband worked really long hours. So I spent a lot of my time by myself with my baby, and I was just so bored. 
because of this, I didn't put a huge value or really any value on my time. After all, when I was first starting out, it's not like I was really busy and the time-consuming orders were taking away from time I'd be spending making other orders. So what did it really matter if I had an order that took a long time to make? I have mixed feelings about how I would do this differently if I started over, because I think that I got a lot of really good experience and I learned a lot through taking every single custom order that someone put in front of me. I learned what works and what doesn't, what sells and what sits, and how to really create things that people want to buy and master the art of getting them up on Etsy and selling them. But I did some ridiculous, time-consuming, expensive orders and projects that were never going to pay off for me, and I probably didn't even break even on a lot of them, nonetheless make a profit. I'm talking stitching crazy quotes onto baby quilts that would take an hour just for the stitching part of it, basically like an entire paragraph being monogrammed onto something. Or an applique design for a shirt that had, no joke, 47 steps to the applique. I cringe just thinking about it. Looking back, I think I would have been far less burnt out through the process of building my shop up if I had valued my time more and not taken on these massive projects which didn't lead me to any profit, and frankly, I didn't even really enjoy because they were so stressful to complete and so time-consuming in the season of life where even though I was kind of bored being at home with my baby, I still had things to do to take care of him. I mean, he was not at all self-sufficient. So these orders took me a long time to make, and I didn't have long chunks of time to be working. Rather than thinking about my shop like a business and putting a monetary value on the time that I was spending making things, I was thinking like a creative and trying to enjoy the artistic part of the process. And because of that, I was feeling really pulled and really overwhelmed by these orders that just took me so long to make. So I wish that I could go back in time and be able to do a better job of saying no to the orders that were not going to be profitable for me and were kind of just one-offs. I was never going to make them over again because they were just simply too time-consuming. The last thing that I would tell my 2012 self if I could go back in time is that the customer is always right, except when they aren't right. I'm a big proponent of good customer service. If you have taken my Etsy Setup Success course, you know that I talk a lot about providing a good customer experience and what that means for your brand and the future of your shop. I think that it is incredibly important to provide a quality shop experience because consumers have plenty of other options online that are vying for their attention and they don't have any loyalty to you unless you wow them in their interactions with you to build that loyalty. But here's the truth. Sometimes customers just aren't right. Sometimes they make a mistake when they're ordering and then they are furious at you for not catching the mistake or reading their mind and fixing it telepathically. Or sometimes they enter their address wrong and the package goes to the wrong place even though all you've done is print out a shipping label on Etsy and send it on its way to the address that they left you. Sometimes they type a name wrong and the monogram isn't what they're expecting. Or they select the wrong size and then they're mad that it's not going to fit. And sometimes they're just plain scammers on the internet who try to swindle you out of your hard-earned money by complaining about some non-issue and demanding a refund. While that doesn't happen to me much anymore because those kind of scammers tend to be on the lookout for new shops without many reviews, it is definitely something that unfortunately exists. 
But here's the thing in all of that, except for the scammers, they're just flat out wrong. How much do you want to argue with people? What is it worth to you to spend your time going back and forth with an upset customer or having a case opened against you in your shop or getting bad feedback, even though you can respond to bad feedback? Now, I am not saying that you should just refund any and every order at the drop of a hat and take a hit on everything. Please hear me when I say that I am not saying that. I am not one to quickly refund orders for things that are the customer's fault and that I did not do wrong, especially because I make personalized items that I can't use again. So if I refund it, I'm just out the money. But what I'm saying is there are times when there's a shared fault. When someone orders a color and the color you send them might be slightly off, or when they send you a message after the fact to change a detail of their order and you forget to update the order and they end up with something other than what they were wanting. Should they have just ordered the right thing to begin with? Of course. But part of customer service is recognizing where they've messed up and recognizing where you've messed up and recognizing that it just sometimes isn't worth it to argue about them. This has actually happened to me before several times, but one that particularly stands out in my mind was a purse that a lady ordered with a specific font. She told me that she wanted it to match something else that she had, and she sent me a picture of what she wanted it to match. But she didn't specify what style the font was, just that she wanted to match this picture. I made it with a block font, and I felt pretty good about it matching. It looked similar. She received the item and was absolutely incensed at the monogram. It was the wrong size. The placement wasn't what she wanted. The scale of the letters was off. The font wasn't a serif font. I'm not a graphic designer, and I had to Google what even was a serif font. That's not really my wheelhouse of expertise. But in the end, I refunded the order because while she never specified that she wanted a serif font, she did send me a picture of a serif font in the convos and asked me to match, which I said that I would do. It wasn't without frustration, though. I was super frustrated that she hadn't just asked for what she wanted specifically. Obviously, she had a certain size and style and scale and font in mind, and she knew the specific words to describe what she wanted. So why didn't she just include those details in the order and give me a fighting chance to actually make what she wanted and what she would be happy with? So yeah, I was frustrated, but ultimately this was a $20 order and the amount of time that I spent emailing her back and forth and dealing with her being really upset and being frustrated myself with the whole interaction wasn't worth it. Lesson learned. The customer is not always right, but it also isn't always worth it to argue with them about who is right. Because regardless of if you are right or not, in that situation, she was never going to be happy. So it was better to just refund the order and be done with it. I do want to caveat that by saying that you have to be able to make that decision for yourself. If you are really new to Etsy, I would tread really carefully with people who are asking for a refund. Like I said before, there are scammers online, even though we don't want to believe it and we want to believe that everyone has pure intentions and nobody is trying to rip you off. I have seen it time and time again in Etsy groups on Facebook or other places where I hang out with new sellers that they are being scammed by people who want to keep the product and get a refund. Basically, they're just looking for a free item. So I would tread very carefully with it and be questioning but not totally suspicious when people ask for a refund. You have to make that decision for yourself and where your customer service policy stands in that. 
and how that can serve your business to make sure that you are maintaining your profit margins. So there you have it, my top five lessons I've learned after 12,000 sales on Etsy and how I would approach it differently if I were just getting started now. Ultimately, I think that almost all of these have to do with boundaries. When I was just getting started and even several years into building my Etsy business, I had a lot of trouble with setting boundaries between my personal life and my work life. I allowed the customer to dictate when they needed things, even if they were ordering very last minute and it required me to drop everything I was doing and start on their order. I literally can remember times where someone would send me a convo on Etsy asking me if I could get that shipped out that day or the next day, and I would stop what I was doing in the middle of the day with my family and my children and go and work on their order. Or like I said before, I would bring my kids all the way across town to pick up a supply to make this order so that I could get it out the next day or that day. I allowed a lot of my personal life to revolve around my Etsy orders and the demands that people were placing on me that I didn't have any sort of boundaries or line in the sand of saying, no, this, sorry, this is not going to work for me. I just didn't have a good idea of what I was willing to put up with and what I would turn down or not deal with as a business provider. Part of this, I do think, is very normal for a new business because you're chasing after those sales. You want every single cha-ching that comes from Etsy. And so many of these lessons were learned the hard way, and I've been able to move and grow and pivot my shop from the lessons that I've learned. But my hope through this is that you'll see the places where you are allowing customers to take advantage of you or letting the business creep into your personal life in a way that you don't want it to, or you're needing a break from your business because it's so overwhelming to you, and you'll do a better job of drawing those boundaries and setting those parameters for your shop. I hope that this episode has been helpful for you and that you have enjoyed seeing a little glimpse into the past of my shop and the lessons that I've learned after 12,000 sales on Etsy, which again is just crazy to even wrap my head around. If you are enjoying this podcast, please leave me a review on iTunes. It helps other people to find the podcast and become a member of the Creative Mom Boss community. And I so appreciate it. I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.